Welcome to episode 36, Mindfulness and Meditation Practices, number one, by Frank Baird, licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed professional clinical counselor from Clearly Clinical. Learn, grow, shine. Hi, I'm Frank Baird. I'm a California licensed marriage and family therapist, California licensed professional clinical counselor. I'm also a UCLA Mindful Awareness Research Center certified mindfulness facilitator. I'm founder and lead teacher at Nowhouse Mindful Awareness Center. And I teach meditation to corporate staff through corporate wellness programs, to therapy clients, and to community members in a variety of settings. I'm here today to tell you a bit about mindfulness and meditation and how these practices can be useful to you and your clients. I'd like to talk a little bit about the history of mindfulness, where these ideas and practices come from. It's important to present mindfulness in culturally sensitive ways. It can feel like secular mindfulness doesn't need to be situated culturally, doesn't need to be contextualized. We often mistakenly think of science or evidence-based practices as universal, that they can be deployed by anyone anywhere, that they can be used by anyone anywhere. The secular mindfulness practices popular with healthcare professionals and the general public come primarily from Buddhism. I think it's important to know this for a variety of reasons, including respecting the historic and cultural roots of these practices, and because cutting ourselves off from our cultural past has effects just as cutting ourselves off from our own personal history has effects. One of the potential benefits of mindfulness practice is greater self-knowledge, greater self-awareness, and new choice. We can either act as we've been conditioned to, or act out of reactivity, or we can be mindful and deliberate in what we do and how we do it, and act more in accordance with our intentions and values. We can be in the world more deliberately, more consciously. Sometimes people aren't interested in history. It can seem irrelevant to them. They might feel like all they need to know is what is here now, these techniques and practices as they are taught in America today, as they are used in America today. Sometimes people are not interested in Buddhism in particular. They understand it to be a religion and they're not interested in religion or they've got their own and don't need another one. Sometimes people may not recognize some cultural biases they've inherited, biases that position Buddhism in Asian culture that is considered exotic or other or inscrutable and irrelevant to them, their interests, and their practices. The American stereotype for mindfulness is a young, conventionally attractive white woman who is in her early 20s wearing yoga clothing, sitting on a meditation cushion with her eyes closed, 
her hands formed into symbolic energy-channeling gestures. She's usually smiling slightly. Sometimes corporate America will capitalize on the recognition of this stereotype by positioning a person in a similar pose in a suit in an office setting. Instead of sitting on a cushion, they're in an office chair or playfully positioned on a desk. Sometimes there's a whole group of young corporate professionals meditating together, all sitting on the boardroom table. It's important to present mindfulness and meditation in ways that acknowledge that the way it is presented by you and by the culture at large may make it more or less appealing or accessible to someone. Some people feel they cannot meditate because they misunderstand what a meditation is. They think they've got to sit still and empty their mind. When their mind wanders, they think they've failed. These people have tried meditation. However, they came into contact with mindfulness in meditation. It appeared welcoming and appealing to them. With good instruction and more practice, they can come to realize that they can meditate. For some people, though, the stereotypical secular image of meditation is off-putting. People of color, older people, or people with physical disabilities, for example, may not feel invited when the dominant imagery is white and young and physically flexible. Or some people may be put off by traditional or religious Buddhist imagery, feeling like they are being asked to give up their own religion for Buddhism. Asians... Asian Americans and traditional Buddhists may find whitewashed secular mindfulness and meditation imagery and language a form of cultural appropriation. So out of respect to the people, history, and cultural contexts from which these practices come, I'd like to talk a bit about the history and cultural contexts of mindfulness and meditation. I'll describe the Buddhist roots, and when we get to America, I'll describe two pathways of experience and development. One pathway is the Asian and Asian-American experience of Buddhism in America. The other is the white American experience and the development of secular mindfulness. The mindfulness and meditation practices described and used today were originally articulated by Siddhartha Gautama, a man also known as the Buddha or the Awakened One in India, in the 5th century BCE. Some say the Buddhist teachings were a psychology and a way of life, practical suggestions for ending suffering that later became a religion. Buddhist teachings began moving throughout the world, exported or imported to other lands by monks, nuns, and lay people. Buddhism moved from India into Central, South, and Southeast Asian countries of Burma, Thailand, Cambodia, Indonesia, and north into Tibet, China, Korea, Japan, and west throughout India, Sri Lanka. Buddhism, especially as a psychology, fit in easily with many other cultures. It didn't require allegiance or conversion. It had no gods or goddesses that needed to be worshipped. It didn't other or alienate anyone. It was modified by and also modified the cultures into which it was introduced, and several major traditions of Buddhism developed, known as Theravada, Mahayana, and Vajrayana. 
Some are suggesting two new traditions of Buddhism in the West, which might be known as American Buddhism or secular Buddhism. Buddhism was woven into the fabric of Asian cultures for thousands of years and always taken up voluntarily. There were no Buddhist missionaries. People made contact, and if there was something in the philosophy, the psychology, and the practices that resonated with them, they took it up. If there wasn't, they left it. They were free to develop whatever relationship they wanted. The White West came into contact with the East, and all it contained through mercantilism, explorations to secure resources to exploit. This later became known as colonialism. While colonizers value the resources, they only want what they want and commercialize it. Anything that cannot be monetized is devalued and abandoned, including, sometimes especially, the people and their culture where the resources were mined. This is not to say that many Westerners encountering Buddhism in Asian cultures did not have sincere and respectful interest and, re- and appreciation. Their sincerity and respect still would have operated in a wider context of exploitation and any individual relationship to Buddhism would have been constrained by and vulnerable to the systemic forces of colonialism. Buddhism was brought to the West by Western scholars, philosophers, writers, and artists, and Asian immigrants. There was a financial cost to physically getting Westerners to the East and Asian immigrants to the West, and the transportation of Buddhism was secondary to any other gain. Developing an inexpensive Asian immigrant labor force, for example, was the primary gain, and exposure to their religion and practices would have been considered incidental or even something unwelcome that had to be tolerated. While Western scholars, philosophers, writers, and artists may have found inspiration and non-monetized value in Buddhist teachings, the dominant white Western relationship to immigrants of color was one of exploitation, racism, and xenophobia. Criticism of Buddhism was another way to marginalize not only the teachings and practices, but especially the people who valued Buddhism. It maintained the dominance of white racial identity and Christian religious identity. One form of cultural dominance is open hostility, openly positioning one group or ideology is better than another. A more successful, sustainable form of supremacy is erasure. Open hostility invites pushback. The claim of superiority by one group over another invites, even requires, rebuttal. Erasure, though, makes counterclaims irrelevant and positions those who complain as unreasonable, ridiculous, and easily dismissible. Erasure makes the past irrelevant. Erasure makes cultural context irrelevant. People will always have their interests and disinterests, and this will always be culturally conditioned. If self-awareness and choice is a valuable outcome of mindfulness, then there's tremendous value in exploring and acknowledging our conditioning and the expansiveness of our conditioning. We benefit individually and culturally, and we participate in the world in ways that are more informed 
and where our actions are more likely to have the effects of our intentions. The story of Western, especially American, white, secular, scientifically validated, evidence-based mindfulness tends to start in 1979 with John Kabat-Zinn's work with patients suffering from chronic illnesses at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. There are other popular writers who have bridged Buddhism and secular mindfulness. Jack Kornfield, for example, frequently writes combining Eastern and Western psychology. But John Kabat-Zinn, a medical doctor working in a hospital environment, created mindfulness and meditation practices that could be decontextualized and deployed as medical or psychological interventions. His eight-week stress reduction protocol, mindfulness-based stress reduction, continues to be widely deployed and is frequently used as the meditation instruction model in research. John Kabat-Zinn says he has been trained in Buddhism and espouses its principles, but does not identify as a Buddhist, preferring to apply mindfulness with a scientific rather than a religious frame. Shifting from the fullness of Buddhist teachings and history to science shifts the breadth of focus and the relevant texts. Research substantiating mindfulness and meditation claims becomes the new canon. Evolving evidence-based protocols become the new commerce and branding of mindfulness practices. So instead of Buddhist traditions like Theravadan, Mahayana, or Vajrayana Buddhism, we now have the brands of mindfulness-based stress reduction, MBSR, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, MBCT, dialectical behavior therapy, DBT, acceptance and commitment therapy, ACT, and others with specific claims regarding target population for the interventions, such as pain or anxiety, depression, personality disorder, trauma, etc. You can apply different frames of reference and develop different stories regarding mindfulness and meditation. Each frame will have its opportunities and constraints. Some frames include Buddhism and its history in the world, and this makes the practice more accessible to some and the outcomes richer. For some, this frame can feel unnecessary. Some frames focus on specific techniques and rely on individuals to find their own connection to and value in the practices. For some, this frame allows easier access. For some, it can be too limiting. Feel, for some, it can feel too limiting or groundless. Each person will find their own relationship. As someone who's teaching mindfulness and meditation practices, I feel an obligation to carefully consider what is a good frame to use for a specific client. Or, if teaching a class, how can I present these ideas in appealing and accessible ways so that someone will consider them and try them out? For me, I also think of my ethical obligation to publicly acknowledge and express gratitude for the ancestors who have carried these ideas and practices through history so that they are available to me and to others today. Let's do a meditation related to feeling tone and the practice of acceptance. 
being mindfully aware of how you lean into the pleasant and lean away from the unpleasant, or just don't pay attention when something is neutral. Start by finding a comfortable posture. You can do this meditation standing up. You can do it sitting down. You can do it lying down. Find a posture you feel you can sustain for the duration of the meditation. A posture you can remain still with. Once you've settled into your posture, notice where your attention is at the start of the meditation, just acknowledging where attention is. Maybe it's focused, maybe it's scattered. Gather up attention and bring it to the body. Let attention just settle on whatever body sensations are easy to be aware of right now, easy to feel. You bring attention to the body and these sensations just let themselves be known to you. If you're standing, it's probably pretty easy to feel the sensations happening in the feet right now. Or if you're sitting in a chair, easy to feel the sensations where the body makes contact with the chair. Whatever your posture, you might notice the sensations happening in the hands. Just letting attention go to anywhere in the body, or maybe the body in its entirety, just feeling into the body right now. If you notice any places in the body that feel tense or tight, You might make a gentle effort at the beginning of this meditation to let go of as much of that as you can. You won't be able to let go of all of it. Some of it's needed to sustain your posture, sustain your effort at paying attention. But you might notice some of it's left over from something earlier in the day and isn't needed right now. Or something might be in anticipation of something that might happen later in the day but isn't happening yet, and so isn't needed yet. Or you might notice that some of this tension is left in the body just out of habit. And now that you're mindfully aware, you can either just leave it the way it is and be aware of it, or you can let go of as much of it as you can for now. 
you might further focus attention on breathing. Feel how the body breathes on its own. And just for now, you don't have to breathe in any particular way. You don't have to control or manage your breath. Just bring attention to it and feel it happening. If attention wanders off or gets pulled away, when you notice, gently bring attention back to breathing, back to feeling breathing happening. You might notice thinking happening. You might notice some emotions or mood happening. You might be aware of other physical sensations happening. Maybe hearing sounds or seeing sight. If attention goes to one of these places, it's not a problem. You just notice, acknowledge and gently bring attention back to breathing. Just feeling breathing happening.
Let breathing be a place to rest attention or a place to refocus or restart the effort at paying attention. Just breathing. You might notice if your experience right now is pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And just for a moment, you might explore how do you know it's pleasant or unpleasant or neutral? Where is your attention focused? Is it focused on the thinking that's happening? Is this where the pleasant or unpleasant or neutral is happening? Is your attention focused on emotions or mood? And are you experiencing this as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral? Or on some physical sensation or some combination? Just exploring for a moment, what is it that is making this moment pleasant or unpleasant or neutral for me. You might also notice if you can let this moment be just the way it is, not needing more of something or less of something, 
regardless of its feeling tone of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, can you be mindfully aware and just leave it the way it is, just for now, just for the duration of this meditation practice. And then bring attention back to breathing. Just feeling breathing happening. Let go of this brief exploration and return to focusing and sustaining attention as best you can on breathing. Just breathing. Letting this moment be just the way it is, just for now as best you can, being aware of the feeling tone and not having to do anything about it, to it, with it, having your only effort be paying attention and bringing attention back to breathing. really connecting with this breath that's happening now, feeling, breathing, happening.
noticing where attention is now. And gently bringing it back to breathing. Letting this moment be just the way it is, just for now, as best you can. Let's do a fun mindfulness practice. This can be done just as a mindfulness practice or as a meditation, depending on how you set it up. For this practice, what we'll do is get yourself set up, arranged, so that you're surrounded by all of your devices, all your noisy and bright tech gadgets, So turn on your computer, turn on your television, your tablet, your phone, smartwatch, whatever device you have. Make sure that everything is turned on and turned up and any screens are facing you. So what we're going to do here is practice reclaiming your attention from technology. Technology currently in the Western world, in America is especially demanding of attention. Many of us uh, have a difficult time putting down our devices, stepping away from our devices. We tend to want to occupy every free moment by being busy, by being entertained. So the practice of being able to be in the presence of technology and less reactive is a really good practice, and it's kind of fun. 
So the intention would be to make it fun, not have this be any kind of arduous or demanding practice. And as best you can, have some humor in noticing the way that you're enslaved to your devices, that when they make a sound or if something appears on the screen, noticing how easy your attention goes to it and how easily your attention is held by it. Practicing with technology can be a really useful and playful way to notice automatic behaviors. For example, one of the things that can happen is if your phone is laying beside you, and let's say in this example, the phone is face down so that you can't see what's going on, and your phone makes a sound, when you're meditating, the effort would be to just notice that a sound occurred and to notice how that sound, that phenomena out in the world, sets in motion a whole chain of events. Thoughts start happening. You might wonder who it is that is texting you or tweeting you or whatever it is that's going on your phone calling you. You might be thinking about how you should have turned your phone off or any number of thoughts. And what you might notice is that your body is leaning in the direction of the phone before you're even aware. You're reaching for the phone before you're even aware of it. So it's a great opportunity to notice this automatic behavior and to practice interrupting the behavior and then also practicing after the stimuli occurs. So after you hear the sound on your phone and you notice the thinking happening, you notice how your body configuration gets changed in relation to the thoughts. After you start noticing the emotions that are going on, an additional part of the practice can be, okay, how do I reset that? How do I come back from the activated state that was triggered by the sound from the phone? How do I return back to a calmer state, um, a more responsive state, less reactive state? So that's what we're going to play with in this mindfulness activity or this mindfulness meditation. So get yourself set up, get all of your devices, your toys, however you refer to them, your masters, your electronic masters, get yourself set up and surrounded by them so that they're all before you, all the screens are looking at you, you can see the screens, you can see what's going on on the screens, and as soon as you're set up, then we'll give this a try. During this mindfulness practice, I'll be providing some instructions. These instructions can be one of the sounds you're listening to, one of the sounds you're hearing. So depending on what's going on with your devices, my instructions may not relate to the stimuli that's going on. And so I would encourage you to, if you hear these instructions and there are other stimuli that you're reacting to or responding to, just notice how you are in relation to all of it. So once you're set up, you might start by closing your eyes. Take a deep breath. And decide for the duration of this practice, 
that you will not use any of the devices set before you. Decide that you'll make a gentle effort to resist answering any phone call, reading or responding to any email or checking any pop-up message. Decide that for the duration of this practice, you'll experiment with being here with these devices in the presence of these devices and exploring your relationship to them, the stimuli they produce, and your reactivity or responsiveness to them and the stimuli they produce. So sitting here with your eyes closed, you might bring attention to the body, Feel what it's like to be in this body right here, right now. Noticing, feeling any body sensations that are easy to feel happening right now. Letting attention settle in these sensations. If you're sitting, attention might easily be aware of the places where your body makes contact with the chair. Might be easy to feel the sensations happening where the feet make contact with the floor. Might notice the sensations happening in the hands. Letting attention Dwell with body sensations. This focus of attention can help the body settle down. And this can help the mind start to settle down. You might make a gentle effort to let go of any tension or tightness you find in the body. You won't be able to let go of all of it. Some of the tension is needed to sustain your posture or sustain the effort of paying attention. But you might notice that you can let go of some of it. Let go of as much of it as you can. You might feel the body breathing and feel how the body breathes on its own. You don't have to make it breathe. You don't have to breathe in any particular way. Part of this practice is noticing how when the mind focuses on something, it wants to mess with it, it wants to fix it, change it, optimize it. So part of the practice is bringing attention and just letting it be there. So bringing attention to breathing and just feeling it happen.
You can use breathing as an anchor to the present moment. It only happens in the present moment and it, it's always happening. So whenever attention wanders off or gets pulled away, when you notice, gently bring attention back to breathing, back to feeling breathing happening. Breathing can be a place to rest attention. Breathing can be a place to reset attention, refocus attention, restart the effort at paying attention. Just by feeling breathing happening. Now take a deep breath and slowly open your eyes and look at all the gadgets before you. You might start by naming each one, either silently or out loud, just itemizing phone, pager, computer, tablet, whatever it is. Just looking at each one specifically and naming it. And now look at these devices as objects and just see them. Notice their shape color, texture, relative size, whatever physical characteristics can be seen right now, just look. Let your eyes just rest 
on each object for a while. If you notice that you find yourself thinking about the object, gently bring your attention back to just seeing, just seeing this object and its shape, color, texture, etc. Just seeing the object, not thinking about it, just seeing Now reach out and touch each object individually. So now the focus of attention will be on the sensations in the fingers and the hands. Feel the texture, the temperature, the weight. Focus attention on the physical sensation of touch in contact with these devices, regardless of what they're doing. They may be dormant right now or in standby mode. Maybe one of them is active right now for you. For now, bring attention to the sensations of touch and feel touch each of these objects. Now, maybe you've had a chance to touch each object, maybe not, but let go of the devices and move your hands to your side or to your lap. Slowly close your eyes and move attention to hearing. What sounds can be heard right now? Maybe there is sound coming from one or more of the devices. Maybe from somewhere else. Listen to the sounds and just hear.
If you notice thinking happening about any of the sounds that you're hearing, or just thinking that happens to be happening, just acknowledge the thinking and gently bring attention back to hearing, just hearing whatever sounds are coming and making contact with the ears, just hearing sound. Now bring attention to the body. Feel what it's like to be in this body right now. You might notice if there's any tension in the body that you might relax or soften for now. Notice especially the hands, the face, the jaw, shoulders, belly, let go of as much tension as you can. And feel the body breathing. Let attention rest with breathing. And when it gets pulled away, acknowledge the pull, perhaps name it, and gently bring attention back to breathing, back to feeling breathing happening. Where is attention now? Did it wander off somewhere? Where did it go? Was it pooled somewhere? Where did it go? Name that location. Thinking emotions, body sensation, sight or sound, name the location and gently bring attention back to breathing. 
slowly open your eyes and look at all the gadgets before you. And as best you can, just see them as objects. As best you can, just see them as objects. Slowly close your eyes and bring attention back to breathing. Slowly open the eyes again and look at all the gadgets before you. And now, just because you've decided to, gently bring attention back to breathing while looking at these gadgets. Feel breathing happening. Breathing in. Breathing out. Seeing and breathing. Seeing and breathing. With the next inhalation, slowly close your eyes and breathe. You've just finished listening to another exclusive continuing ed podcast by Clearly Clinical. If you like what you just heard and you need continuing ed credits, please visit us at clearlyclinical.com to check out our one-year membership 
where you'll have access to our growing library of continuing ed podcast courses. Clearly Clinical, where our goal is to help you learn, grow, and shine.